What's happening, guys? Sam Adams here, and welcome to a brand new episode of Caffeinate today for January the 23rd of 2018. My name is Samuel Adams, and welcome to today's show. I hope this one does find you well, and for those that are brand new to the program, this is a daily gaming news podcast where I bring you the hottest gaming news from around the industry, and I package it here for you in one tight, neat little roughly 30-minute podcast for you to enjoy on your break at work while you cook dinner, while you prepare breakfast. I always try and come up with fun scenarios where you might listen to podcasts. But all of that's beside the point. It's hosted live on twitch.tv slash the Samuel Adams five days a week at 7 p.m. Eastern time, and then it's put up on YouTube as well as podcast services around the world for your viewing and listening pleasure. It's always a good time, and it is the highlight of my day, without a doubt. But today's show does feature some pretty shocking and confusing and also awesome news, and that is that Farming Simulator is getting its own eSports league with more than $280,000 in prizes on the line. So if you're really good at Farming Simulator, congratulations, your time has finally come. Now, another esports phenomenon, just like Farming Simulator will obviously be, is Fortnite, and it turns out that playing Fortnite at 30 FPS puts you at a disadvantage. We'll talk about why, and on top of that, another lawsuit that is going after the shoot dance emote in Fortnite is coming from Blockboy JB. So again, more people trying to get more money. Uh, interesting news, God of War level designer joins Microsoft's Initiative Studio. Nintendo Switch is 2018's best-selling platform, according to the NPD Group. Resident Evil 2's time-restricted demo was downloaded over 3 million times, and of course counting because the demo is still up, and the game does launch later on in the week this coming Friday. A big release for January, and of course... Shameless plug, you can find out all about the new video game releases in my weekly series known as The Drop here on the channel every single Sunday. On top of that, Sony is now rolling out PlayStation Now to new European territories and the Anthem demo preload is now available and we'll talk about where you can download that and how long the demo will last. Uh, but that's pretty much the general gist of what we're going to be talking about today and again, if you are brand new to the show, I do hope you enjoy what you find but without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into it. First off, Farming Simulator is getting its own eSports league with more than $280,000 in prizes on the line. Are you ready for some competitive virtual farming? Giant Software announced today that it will run an eSports league for its unreasonably popular Farming Simulator. The first season of Farming Simulator League will consist of 10 tournaments that will take place across Europe. Competitors will go head-to-head -head with a chance to win up to $280,000 in prize money put up by the developer. According to the company, tournaments will be held at major gaming events like Gamescom and Paris Games Week. Each event will allow teams and players to earn circuit points and win prizes. Once the regular season has concluded, the teams with the most points earned will gather at FarmCon 2020 to crown the Farming Simulator Champion, and the winner will take home about, roughly, $110,000 in prizes. Now in the chat, Roy says, where can I sign up for that esports league, partner? Yeehaw! No idea. But hey, I'm sure you can probably find your way around the farm somehow. Oh god, I can't believe I said that. Uh, but this actually is not the first time Giant Software has kicked the tractor tires on a competitive structure for Farming Simulator. The company tested the waters last year with a Farming Simulator Championship Series and has operated competitive events within the game at agriculture-related events. 
agriculture-related events. You gotta love it, you gotta respect it, you know what I'm saying? Players of the game have gotten more serious over the years, and there's even a custom controller out there for the diehards. This year, the competition will take on the form of a traditional esports league, complete with sponsors from the gaming world, including Intel and Logitech. So again, I want to reiterate what exactly is happening here. We literally have an esports league forming around Farming Simulator. Farming Simulator. That is so cool to me. You know, in a world where esports are taken uh, increasingly seriously, I suppose, for lack of a better term, you then have Farming Simulator coming in and being like, just because we don't have guns, we don't have, you know, any kind of any kind of big technical accuracy and, and weapon recoil and all these statistics that are broken down for CSGO and Fortnite and, and PUBG, that doesn't mean that we can't have a legitimate esports organization here. So, if you're a fan of Farming Simulator, or you want to get into Farming Simulator, then by all means, you can check out the Farming Simulator League that is going to be flourishing without a doubt throughout 2019. And if you're good enough, you could even end up at FarmCon 2020. That's right, FarmCon 2020. Uh, so, I thought that was a fun way and a very interesting way to kick off today's episode of Caffeinate, but without a doubt, uh, one of the coolest esports announcements that I have seen in recent memory. And uh, to be quite honest with you, after watching some Farming Simulator, I must admit, not a bad game. I mean, if you're into that kind of thing, if you're into simulators and you're into agriculture, uh, then by all means, go ahead and dive in and give it a shot. And I believe it's also out on a lot of platforms. You might not get the newest version, but you can probably find some farming simulator where you do play games. Now, with that being said, moving on to another esports sort of kind of related story, it turns out that playing Fortnite at 30 FPS does actually put you at a disadvantage. But what's the frequency, Kevin, they say over there at Eurogamer? It may not just be your bad luck. Playing Fortnite at 30 frames per second on Nintendo Switch or a lower spec PC puts you at a genuine competitive disadvantage. It turns out a bug in Epic's code currently causes a slower rate of gunfire at 30 frames per second compared to playing at 60 FPS or higher. In other words, 30 FPS players deal less damage per second than those running at higher frame rates. In an ongoing Reddit thread, it highlights the issue. It's understood to be a quirk of the Unreal Engine 4 tech on which Fortnite is built and can significantly affect gameplay right now. Based on patch version 7.2, I can confirm, the author says, it affects both PC and Switch users, having tested it on several different machines, including the Switch. That's a concern given Nintendo's portable really has no option to go beyond 30 frames per second. They have contacted Epic for comment, and it seems the studio is already on top of it. Quote, we're aware of the issue and are investigating a fix, and Epic spokesperson confirmed. We'll update players as soon as we have more information. So what's going on? They raised my digital foundry magnifying glass, they say, to put on some numbers for the issue. For a bite-sized example of the problem, check out the video in the tweet above. And of course, we'll talk about it right here, which I believe that was a very loud, I apologize, headphone users. But essentially, to describe to you guys what's going on here, uh, they have set up a steel barrier, and on the PC, on PS4, and then on the Nintendo Switch, or an equivalent 30 frames per second uh, experience, you see the steel barrier break down well before uh, that of the other 30 frames per second second consoles and whatnot. So essentially, if you're at 60 frames per second or above, the experience is literally the same. But for those that are playing at a lower frame rate, well, that's kind of a bad deal. And now in Roy, or in the chat, Roy says, I mean, isn't that the same with any competitive game? You can play at a higher frame rate. 
that's the kind of discussion here. Now, I will say before we go on, actually, we probably won't read more of this article. You get what I'm saying here. Uh, but essentially, whenever you're in a competitive kind of atmosphere, let's say you're at some kind of organizational tournament where it does have this structure, everybody is on the same level playing field, this probably isn't pointed out at all. But whenever you're just playing casually or if you are in some kind of, you know, non-official or unofficial uh, tournament league, that's whenever you're going to be seeing some kind of disparity between what people are going to be able to do on the Xbox One and the PS4 and the PC versus a lower-end PC or the Nintendo Switch. Now, this is kind of related uh, to a story that we saw either yesterday or a couple of days back where this same exact kind of idea was actually discussed within PUBG where firing rates were actually affected uh, by the level of frames or the amount of frames that somebody was going to be getting during their gaming experience. Uh, so basically, what you need to know here is that they are currently working on a patch to make this change within Unreal Engine 4 and specifically within Fortnite, but going forward, this kind of thing is going to have to be checked and double checked before any kind of game that has an esports potential is put out onto the market. Because if you can have an advantage uh, at a higher or lower frame rate, that's simply unfair for those that might not be able to afford higher end PCs and higher end hardware. And also on top of that, it can ruin the experience for those that might be using crossplay in a world where crossplay is increasingly relevant uh, to go up against other kinds of consoles that aren't necessarily on that same level of quality. With that being said, still an emerging story, really, uh, but one that definitely needs to have some attention put on it. And again, you see Digital Foundry already talking about it. You see people across the industry discussing what this means for the future of Fortnite and for Unreal Engine 4. Uh, so... I'll continue to update you guys on when these patches go live, whenever the fixes are implemented. But right now, something that needs to be addressed. So, there's another lawsuit coming down the pipe for Fortnite and for Epic Games because Blockboy JB, somebody I'm sure we are all familiar with, I have no idea who this is, is suing over the popular shoot dance emote, joining a growing list of artists and celebrities. That's right, yet another lawsuit has entered the ring. James Baker, also known as rapper Blowboy JB, what a name, is the latest person to file a lawsuit against Fortnite developer Epic Games, this time over the use of his Shoot Dance emote in the popular Battle Royale hit. Known as hype in the Fortnite community, Shoot is one of the more popular emotes that millions of people have seen performed. It requires the dancer to swing their arm and leg back and forth in the choreographed motion as seen in the GIFs below. It was included as an unlockable emote in Fortnite's Battle Pass subscription service, which cost $10 for up to three months, and the emote was not, however, ever sold directly for money. Blockboy JB first asked his fans on Twitter if he should sue Epic Games, especially in wake of other artists including 2 Millie, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air's Alfonso Ribeiro, and Russell Backpack Kid Horning, launching their own lawsuits over stolen dance moves. It's the same move that Donald Fajan, who played the character Dr. Chris Turk on Scrubs, did when he learned his dance was included in the game, although Fajan has yet to file a suit of his own. Quote, I just don't think it's fair what Epic is doing, Blogboy JB said in a press release. I started the dance and made it popular through my music. Epic didn't ask me if they could put it in Fortnite. Similar to past cases, Blockboy JB is alleging copyright infringement, violation of the right to publicity for profiting off of his likeness and trademark infringement. It's not clear whether Blockboy JB has successfully acquired either the 
copyright or the trademark regarding his shoot dance or whether he is in the process of doing so. Blogboy JB has teamed up with his attorney David L. Hecht, who is representing two Millie and Horning in their cases against Epic Games. Hecht called Epic's continuous decision to incorporate dance moves that originate online and often within the hip-hop community as brazenly misappropriating the likeness and intellectual property of talent. Quote, that is exactly the type of cultural misappropriation that other rappers have called Epic out on, and we are seeking to remedy with this case, Hecht said. Hecht has issued similar statements in the past Fortnite-related cases. And of course, this is just a growing list of many people that are beginning to sue Epic Games over the dances that are shown off within the game itself. And the big question here is where do you draw the line? You know, where do people have the right uh, to, you know, have an accurate representation of their likeness shown off in a game and also get paid for that? You know, where do you draw the line between freedom of speech and, and free use and all that? And it's a big law issue that we're going to have to be dealing with going forward because it's not something uh, that is a case-by-case -case scenario. Is a dance, you know, uh, something that can have a copyright on it? And if you do have a copyright on that, uh, does it apply to something that is not actually taking you doing the dance, but instead taking the concept of the dance and using it in a popular video game? Uh, I will also say that this is something that is continuing to kind of snowball because a couple of weeks back we saw Fort, uh, I believe it was Forza Horizon 4 remove dances that resembled the same style of dance from their game, uh, going ahead and pretty much beating them to it before any kind of lawsuit forced Microsoft to take that down. Uh, so we'll see how this one goes. Again, there is no lawsuit that has actually come to fruition uh, to the point of money exchanging hands or even any kind of change happening within the game outside of Forza Horizon 4. But as far as Fortnite goes, there have been literally no changes uh, to the game whatsoever. So again, you know, you take it for what you will, but it looks like there is uh, nothing to stand on as of right now. But hey, you know, with more and more lawsuits coming down the pipe, surely somebody uh, must actually have some kind of evidence that they deserve the money they're asking for, or the rights they're asking for, or the recognition, something, surely. But maybe not, you know, you, you never really know with this one. Also, to Cryptics in the chat, welcome on in. And also, shameless plug for those that might be just stumbling upon the show. If you want to join us live, twitch.tv slash thesamuelatoms, five nights a week, 7 p.m. Eastern time for the hottest gaming news from around the industry. Uh, with that being said, God of War level designer is joining Microsoft's The Initiative Studio. Microsoft has not revealed what its various acquired studios are up to yet, including the likes of Ninja Theory and Obsidian Entertainment. But that isn't stopping France from taking and talking, and on one particular studio, The Initiative, it's building up a lot to discuss. The studio has announced another power player joining their ranks, in the form of senior staff level designer Chris O'Neill. He previously worked on Sony's hit God of War game from last year, my game of the year actually, and the game of the year for the Game Awards themselves. He is the latest member of the development team to join up with Microsoft's newest studio following Brian Westergaard joining last August, a man whose last name I am very envious of. Microsoft confirmed the formation of this developer during its E3 press conference last year, featuring a number of former team members from Naughty Dog, Rockstar Games, Crystal Dynamics, and other prolific studios. And now, with two God of War makers in their fold, they've got even more talent than ever. The team hasn't announced just what it's working on next, but Daryl Gallagher, who serves as studio head for the initiative, said last year that its goal is built around making games that push storytelling, world building, and creative exploration. Quote, the foundation we have in place for the initiative is unique in many ways. We've been given the freedom to explore, try new things, and operate like an independent studio, with the backing from one of the biggest companies in the world to do something bold and different. The industry is headed in an exciting direction, and we see an opportunity to create amazing new game experiences of the future.
Our immediate focus is expanding our team to bring that vision to life, and we are incredibly excited for what the future holds for the initiative, he explained. O'Neill updated his LinkedIn to confirm the move over to Microsoft's camp, though it is unknown if his departure will affect future chapters in the God of War series, which are reportedly being worked on at the moment. And of course, the guys over at comicbook.com will let you know if there are any changes in the works. Uh, but he does bring a lot of experience to the table, including work on games like God of War 3 and Metal Gear Solid 5 The Phantom Pain. And of course, as they do, I also wish him the best of luck in this new initiative. No pun intended. Uh, but. Uh, so in the chat, Roy says, Rise 2 maybe, in my opinion, my humble opinion, uh, I think that Microsoft and the next generation of Xbox will build off of some of the franchises laid down in the Xbox One era, uh, but I believe that a lot of brand new ideas are going to be taking form, uh, and I think that we're going to be seeing a lot of original ideas coming out of the next generation of Xbox exclusives. Uh, you're going to be seeing more stuff that we've never heard of before, and for many, uh, this is going to seem like kind of a waste of resources to to begin with because we're so used uh, to seeing these releases that slowly ease the audience in uh, to kind of a, a level of questioning like "Ooh, what is this trailer showing off and then all of a sudden it's Halo or it's a Gears of War or it's you know the next Quantum Break for instance something along those lines you get this kind of uh, you know hype level for stuff that has already been in existence but when a brand new IP comes around that's when people begin to get kind of skeptical and so I think we're going to be seeing a lot more originality uh, from the next generation of Xbox exclusives, and I would love to see uh, these people that have such an incredible catalog of, of previous work uh, use those talents and use those ideas to really build out a brand new push for original concepts. Because right now, one of the biggest games of the year is going to be Resident Evil 2. And it's a remake of a game from 1998. Now, that's not putting down remakes. That's not saying that remakes are useless. And that's not saying that remakes are recycled. That is simply giving a classic game a new coat of paint and a new life, essentially, for a brand new generation of gamers and a brand new generation of consoles. However, originality is what pushes the industry forward. We can't continue to thrive on Call of Duty and Battlefield and these age-old franchises forever. There has to be something that pushes the gaming industry to new heights, uh, and what that is is still yet to be seen. Personally, I think Sea of Thieves is a fantastic example of how a game can come out and uh, come out of the gate with a brand new concept and really build that out over the course of an entire year. Now, when it launched, it was big, then it died down drastically, but now it's seeing a huge resurgence thanks to Twitch streamers like Ninja and Summit uh, playing it regularly on the nightly. With that being said, we've gone a little bit deeper than I would have liked to, uh, but right now, what you need to know is the God of War level designer is joining the Initiative Studio and Microsoft is beefing up their catalog. Those exclusives are going to be looking nice for the next generation of consoles, which again should be arriving sometime around 2020 if I did have to guess. Now, we just talked about Resident Evil 2, and it is coming out this Friday, but if you haven't given the game a shot already, you can definitely do so, because there is a time-restricted demo out now on the PS4, the Xbox One, and the PC. I have played it, it is fantastic, and it has been downloaded over 3 million times. Capcom says the demo for its upcoming remake of Resident Evil 2 was downloaded over 3 million times since it went live on January the 11th of 2019, and this was posted yesterday, so I would say you're probably seeing even more now. The demo itself has an interesting quirk. Dubbed the one-shot demo, the short slice of RE2 gives players only 30 minutes to make their way through the enemies and puzzles in the game's early level. Once that 30-minute run is over, players cannot start the demo again on that same account. 
The downside to that limitation, however, is inevitably players quickly found ways around that, uh, likely having inflated that 3 million download figure. Console players can make additional accounts to get a second or third or even a fourth shot while PC players have found ways to trick the demo into allowing additional plays. Another interesting read on the demo comes from the data shared on Capcom's RENet website. Of those 3 million downloads, roughly 2.5 million players opted to enable RENet's play data tracker and help gather more data on the demo's completion. For instance, only about 26% of those 2.5 million players completed the demo within the time limit. And so, a very small amount of people actually got all the way through the demo itself. I was one of the people that did not. I took my sweet time and enjoyed the textures, enjoyed the gore, and just kind of explored things. But with that being said, uh, RE2 definitely looks very dope, as we see in the chat. It is one of the most beautiful games uh, of the generation, and of course, it is a game that runs on the RE engine, the brand new engine built, I believe, for Resident Evil 7, which came out a couple of years back, or about a year ago. When did Resident Evil 7 come out? Hold on. Resident Evil 7 release date. Let's see. January 24th, 2017. So two years ago, basically just about to the day as of tomorrow. Uh, so two years ago, this brand new engine was developed for Resident Evil 7, and it's still being used today and kind of built upon. And it really does make this game shine. The lighting is fantastic. Uh, the look of the, of the skin of zombies and also of regular people, it's just the difference in a game that is built on an existing engine and a game that is built on an engine specifically built for that specific style of game and that specific franchise is literally like night and day. Without a doubt, if you have not had the opportunity to check out some gameplay or play this game, you truly do need to, especially if you are a big fan of horror games. Uh, there are many GIFs as well to kind of, you know, go a little bit deeper on it floating around there on Twitter of the way that damage is done to these zombies, where essentially if you shoot a zombie with a shotgun in the right arm and the left arm, the arms will fly off, uh, they'll then trip over a corpse or whatever it might be, and then you shoot them in the torso, and they rip apart, but it, they keep coming. It is such a good looking game, I want to make it so dang clear. Give it a look, again, coming out this Friday, 60 bucks, full release, but without a doubt, very much so worth it. And again, as we talked about yesterday, uh, free content coming out after the launch, so if you want to get a little bit more content, more bang for your buck, it is going to be coming down the pipe pretty soon. Now, speaking of something that is going to give you some bang for your buck, Sony is now rolling out PlayStation Now to new European territories. Congrats to those that aren't in the previously supported regions. Sony is expanding its PlayStation Now service to new territories across Europe later this year. Players in Spain, Italy, Portugal, Norway, Denmark, Finland, and Sweden Sweden will soon have access to the subscription service, which provides a wide variety of games from the PS4, PS3, and PS2 eras. PlayStation Now initially launched in North America back in 2014, launching in certain parts of Europe in 2015, including the UK, Germany, France, Belgium, Netherlands, Switzerland, Austria, Luxembourg, and Ireland. As detailed in a blog post, players from these territories are invited to register for the PS Now beta to provide their feedback, which is slated to begin in early February. And it is worth noting this is a PlayStation 4 only beta. PC users will have to wait a little longer to be able to access the service. 
But I find this very interesting and I find it very relevant to where we are today uh, because there are so many streaming services beginning to emerge. Uh, last year we talked about Verizon's new gaming streaming push. On top of that you see stuff like Xbox Game Pass becoming more and more prevalent as a way that people are playing games and also as a way to ensure that games remain backwards compatible as the generations do roll on. If you upload something to the cloud and stream it to a console or a PC you don't have to worry about backwards compatible hardware and mainly just focus on the software which is much easier to deal with uh, so it's exciting to see the PlayStation now is becoming more of a global force and it would be so awesome to see it become integrated with PlayStation Plus and to see just one giant unanimous service that albeit would go up in price would entail everything that is uh, within the PlayStation catalog and I personally would love to see the same kind of concept happen with Xbox Live Gold and Xbox Game Pass and that would be fantastic because there are so many services and as we see in the chat streaming will eventually be the future of gaming I could not agree more uh, it is going to be one of the biggest parts of gaming going forward because of the success of stuff like Netflix I mean Netflix literally is one of the sole reasons that Blockbuster died uh, and for those that don't know what Blockbuster was, essentially a local DVD store slash Blu-ray store towards its later uh, dying off years, uh, where essentially you went in, got a stack of movies to watch on a Saturday or a Friday night, and you would rent them for outrageously high prices as compared to what you're getting them for today on Netflix. Uh, but with that being said, you know, that's the kind of concept that I'm seeing is that streaming video games will eventually, potentially... And again, this is a very far stretch, be the downfall of stuff like GameStop and even, albeit like your local gaming store, which is a strange concept to consider, but still something that is worth talking about, maybe a video for a future upload. Uh, but with that being said, if you did want to dive in, in again, Spain, Italy, Portugal, Norway, Denmark, Finland, and Sweden, you now have the access to jump in towards the beginning of February. Now, speaking of having access to jump in, preloading for Anthem's demo is now available across all of the platforms. Anthem's VIP demo will go live on January 25th, 2019, followed by the public demo on February 1st. To get ahead of the curve, those interested in playing BioWare's latest can preload the game now on PS4, PC, and the Xbox One. On console, the game's download size weighs in at about 25 gigs, and the download for PC is much larger at around 43. Despite Anthem having a designated tag on the PlayStation Store's front page, searching for the demo is required. The Anthem tag only offers pre-order options, however the demo itself should not be too hard to find. It's the first item that appears when typing Anthem into the PlayStation Store's search function on the PlayStation 4. Of course, recently, Bioware began sharing a few details about what players can expect from Anthem's trial sessions. For one, the demo does not include the game's final build. Rather, players will launch into a specific demo build, according to lead producer Mike Gamble. As such, progress made during the demo will not transfer to the full release, which is kind of a bummer in my opinion. Uh, but additionally, executive producer Mark Dara, Dura excuse me, revealed that players will start Anthem's demo in the middle without tutorials. To obtain access to the VIP demo, players must either pre-order Anthem or have an EA slash origin access subscription and participants in this period of time trial session will receive three additional access codes to give friends on the 1st of february however bioware plans to open the demo to everyone regardless of pre-orders or subscriptions uh, so again if you want to check out bioware's latest entry into their catalog then by all means the anthem open beta does begin at the beginning of february and of course for those that are 
Origin, Access, Premiere, Prime, whatever you want to call them, uh, members, then by all means you can jump in just a little bit sooner. But Preload is up now, again on the PS4, the Xbox One, and the PC, if you did want to dive in and give it a shot for yourself. Uh, to give you a little bit of commentary on Anthem, this is poised, posed, whatever you want to call it, to be one of the biggest potential hits of the spring season, especially for those that like to rise and grind, as the kids say. Uh, I am very invested in a lot of communities on Twitch and Mixer and even Facebook Gaming, and everybody across the board is excited about the potential for this game because there is so much you can do. Uh, and of what I understand, it is very much so a Destiny-esque kind of experience with a couple of bells and whistles and some changes to boot. Uh, but if you did want to dive in and check out the game on the PS4, Xbox One, and PC, you can do so over the next few weeks. And the game does launch later on in, I believe, February. I have to get my launch date correct. Launch date, we have the 22nd of February. So just about one month away, just under a month. And then you can be diving into that. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. But as for right now, that... My friends, wraps it up for today's episode of Caffeinate. If you did enjoy today's show, be sure to drop me a like down below. If you are watching on YouTube, if you're hanging out in the Twitch chat, I appreciate you being here, and I hope you do enjoy the show. And again, it is hosted five nights a week, Monday through Friday, on twitch.tv slash the Samuel Adams, put up on YouTube, then it goes to podcast services around the world including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And it has indeed been a good show, and I appreciate you hanging out for it. Uh, but I'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode of Caffeinate to fulfill your expectations for your Thursday. Because without this show, I mean, what do you have? Just kidding. I'm just a little iota of your life. Uh, but I'll see you tomorrow. Have a fantastic night and peace.